Welcome to Insights on Demand, a podcast from Business Talent Group, where we talk to the world's best independent talent about the future of work and other pressing business issues. I'm Leah Hoffman, and today's guest is Mark Cooley, an independent biopharma consultant who helps companies bring commercial planning efforts into their research and development processes. Mark has experience both with vaccine development and infectious disease epidemiology, and he's here today to talk to us about the commercial considerations that life science companies should keep in mind as they race to develop vaccines and therapies for COVID-19. Welcome, Mark. Well, hello, Leah. How are you doing today? I'm great, thanks. So there are dozens of projects around the world that are aimed at developing vaccines and therapies for COVID-19. Let's start by sort of setting the stage and talking about the role that commercial functions typically play during the development of treatments for pandemics. Sure. Well, it's a, it's a different role, obviously, during a pandemic situation, but it goes alongside. You're trying to basically work in collaboration with a lot of things happening at a, uh, a tremendous uh, shortened timeline and sure. with a, a lot of pressures from outside sources wanting to get things in place. But basically, from the commercial side, it's really you know going along with that, making sure that the products that are being developed are going to be put in place, and, and they're going to have not only, obviously, a value uh, once they make it through that development, but also later on. What's tend to happen in the past is in the typical development program is commercial would be on the sidelines and you know basically nobody would come for them except for forecast or any some type of very brief information. But what they've realized later on now is that during failed launches, they found a connection which the commercial was not that involved in, and the more that they do get the, the commercial leaders integrated in actually helping to lead the R&D process where commercial actually plays a key role at the table, they find that the success is much, 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 much greater. And, you know, for these products, these are products and certainly they have a short-term focus, which is to address the pandemic. But there's also obviously the investment uh, perception in terms of what where we're going to take it forward in the future. And we want to make sure that there's going to be market viability as things come to place. Mm-hmm. What's unique about developing therapies that are aimed at pandemics? Well, there's there's quite quite a bit. You know, number one is uh, it goes against basically all the commercial rules, as we'll call them. For one thing, you have the significant pressure that's uh, that's on these organizations, and the ones that actually choose to actually be come involved. You got to keep in mind that typically, even a lot of these therapies on a normal level would not even have the interest because the risk especially with vaccines, is so great that a lot of the business rationale is just not there to go ahead and do this. Now, you start to put a pandemic situation on top of that where there's not going to be a lot of control on price. There's not going to be a lot of control on who you're going to distribute this to. Uh, You may not even have any control. All this may be dictated purely by the government. So there's something to be said for these organizations that are out there trying to pursue these. Now, certainly it'll help their name, but, you know, to be one who's actually going to come out with these vaccines, it's, it's, they're taking on quite a, a challenge in terms of making something come to the marketplace. Right, right. Quite a big risk. Yeah. And actually, I was reading, there was a survey that's maybe changing the public perception of the pharma industry, which mm-hmm. at least in the U.S. was not great to begin with. But to continue on the commercialization question for a moment, aside from just the scale of it, how does this pandemic differ from previous ones? It's really noise it comes down to, both good and bad, I'll say. And the, mm-hmm. the good being is that we're certainly raising the awareness in terms of 
the likelihood of these pandemics is everyone should probably know by now that this isn't the first pandemic. And if there's one thing I can predict, it won't be the last. Right, sure. These things are always coming through. There actually, there's quite a bit of uh, pandemic planning that's been taking place over the past several years, and even to a, a higher scale than COVID-19. So in terms of this one, though, what's been interesting is the PHF on the media. And, you know, that's certainly helped from an adoption and awareness in terms of being compliant with countermeasures. Uh, the, the government in terms of implementing stay-at-home orders and social distancing and all the right things that should be done, uh, you know, this is our, our first time to do it. We're probably a little bit late to the table, some, some people will argue, but at least that those are being taken place and we're getting experience, which is probably the most valuable asset here before for the future ones, because my guess is the pandemics will, will continue to get bad. And so we need to be comfortable with what we're doing. Now, on the not so good side, I think what was underestimated is the impact of, uh, I would say, uh, aggressive news media, social networking and things of that nature in terms of fueling panic and confusion from the public. And that always adds a lot of problems to trying to manage something that is requiring so much leadership and so much organizations like a pandemic. And, uh, you know, there's things that have been out there is, is confusing in terms of the wearing of a face mask or uh, I just heard something, I think, last night in the terms of, you know, are ventilators really what is needed? Is this more of an oxygen deprivation for the right. patients? which can change everything. So, you know, I know it is certainly exciting and the news media likes those exciting things, but we got to take a responsibility here across all stakeholders in terms of wanting to make sure things go in the way they need to go. Sure. So what are some of the challenges both in general and that you think will impact the specific pandemic that the commercial team should consider as they develop therapies and diagnostic tools and vaccines? It's probably helpful just to kind of to put yourself in, in the mindset of the commercial leader at this point in time. So basically, R&D is running the show, and this is all very close to the highest leadership level in the organization. So, you know, we tend to take a back seat, but we're still going to, we know that we have expectations that are going to be put on top of us, not only in terms of how we address product flow distribution, things like that for the pandemic, but also later on, because there's going to be a lot of investment in terms of manufacturing resources and things of that nature, where a lot of these vaccines, you know, should have a life beyond just now for the short term. Mm -hmm. And from a commercial standpoint, you need to be thinking about, okay, now, well, well, how do we actually create these products? And how can we make sure that they're going to be viable for the future? So first and foremost, you're thinking, especially managing expectations, and that gets into communication, which I think is core across all levels of the leadership systems in terms of the developers. But you know, in terms of how soon, because people, you know, you got so much demand out there, it's, it's frantic demand, and how much can be produced. So in terms of managing the expectation around that, there's a lot of things that come in with vaccines in terms of, you know, how, be, how they're going to be handled, stored. Who's going to administer them? Unfortunately, in this situation, it's not just, you know, come and get it. That has to be very well organized. And the government takes on a big part of that role in terms of who's going to get them, when they're going to get them, how they're going to get them. And they start to prioritize through the public health emergency medical countermeasures enterprise. They actually work through the companies in terms of distribution of the vaccine and making sure all the logistical planning is in place. But from a commercial standpoint, you can get involved with this early on in terms of communication of the products. How should this be used? How should it be handled? 
are, are there things that can be done to make sure it's all done easier, uh, understanding that this is going to be done on such a massive scale? So it's just it's thinking different. It's, it's thinking like a good marketing person, which is basically what are they going to be the needs and the specific objectives for your audience. Uh, in this regards, this is going to be more of a, a public measure. And then the last one everybody wants is talking about is price. And uh, you know, this is something that I think is probably being over exaggerated. Especially you mentioned very nicely that the, the industry might get a good rep. For it, that there's also people putting forth, you know, comments about uh, this is a great time to take advantage of the situation, and that's absolutely not true. Uh, that would be a death sentence to any company that tries to do that. But this is about human life now, and this is about being it together, which is one of the I would say the uh, blessings with regards to a pandemic. It does bring people together. Right. And, and pricing from these companies, that's a, that's a discussion that goes on between the highest level in the organization and the government. And, and the government does certainly respect that there is a little bit of you know, profit that needs to be made to make sure that it covers development costs and things of that nature. But uh, that's not really control at the company level. And they're certainly not going to make it where it's going to be inaccessible to people, right. which is so important. Right. You mentioned risk earlier. Let's talk a little bit more about the trade-offs there. There's a lot of complexity, a lot of risk, and yet a potentially very valuable outcome to the brands that are successful in developing therapies and, and vaccines. Yes. Well, focusing more on the vaccines only because they're probably much more complex. The, the diagnostics are equally as important. Let me just speak a second to them. Diagnostics are so, so essential because they, they're the ones that actually identify who those targets are that we need to get out of the public exposure. And unfortunately, as you've heard in this situation, that's been a case where you had to wait for quite some time. And by the time we did get things going, people have been exposed to other people and so on and so on. Uh, the vaccines probably take on a bigger role in terms of resolving a pandemic only because now you're, you're getting to the people who haven't been exposed and preventing them from getting the exposure. These products, a lot of them are being developed with entirely new technologies. The RNA vaccines, that's a whole new area. And those are the ones that are leading the, uh, the timeline right now with the COVID-19. So it's going to be interesting. Yes, they do have data with regards to showing their immunogenicity, but we don't know, uh, you know, when you're dealing with, with the genetic aspects of that, how these vaccines are going to function when they start to get out there in these large patient populations. And that's part of one of the complexities of vaccines is you have to basically inject something to people who are otherwise healthy and right. find out if that can, number one, do its job in terms of invoking an immune response, but also not uh, add on any threats or safety issues that go along with it. And that's why it requires large, large number of people to study. And it takes time. Because a lot of these vaccines, uh, flu is a great example. It's one that, that I've spent most of my career around is it changes. Uh, you know, we, you have therapies that come out one, but then all of a sudden those, those bugs are, are quite complex and they're able to form different defenses against the vaccines so where they're no longer effective over time. So you can see where all that kind of plays to. And then you get in the manufacturing side of things. And the good news is the newer technologies, the RNA, the, uh, some of the, uh, other vaccines that are, are being developed, they're shortening that time frame. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now you can actually produce these things much, much quicker, but then you have to obviously get your manufacturing geared up. And now we're talking billions of doses, which uh, can sure. take quite some time. Yeah. Can we touch a little bit more on that in managing supply and demand? There's going to be, as you mentioned, a huge demand for it, potentially the world's population or even 10%. I mean, that's a lot of resources. 
Yes. Yeah, incredibly. And that's why uh, another interesting aspect of this is and why you have so many companies willing to go into it, uh, even after the fact, is that you're going to require multiple products in a situation mm-hmm. like this. And, and that's why there's no reason for one not to. There's going to be a demand that's so great. Well, one of the interesting aspects of a pandemic situation, the borders become very tight in terms of who gets the vaccine and who doesn't. Yeah. For example, in the United States, you know, for the United States companies, um, the government's orientation is to get everyone in the United States vaccinated. Right. And so now you have, a, in this situation where vaccine companies are very limited and typically very globally orientated, uh, now they're restricted in this particular situation to first and foremost, keeping it within the borders of the country. Mm-hmm. So that, that's one area in terms of controlling that, who gets it and how, but, but even being involved in several, in some advisory meetings on pandemic planning, I can tell you that even within the country, there's different levels. Obviously, you know, your healthcare workers are going to be and your, your police and your military, the people that need to maintain the order and the health and everything else right. are going to be a top priority up front. Then you're going to go to your people who are highest risk of developing uh, mortality, which would be your immunocompromised individuals, your elderly people, things of that nature. And all that is kind of mapped out through those planning processes that are in place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what are some of the key strategic areas that commercial teams should start preparing for now? We've got pricing, we've got all the supply and demand issues, a lot of things on their plate. Yes, that's a good question. For the pandemic, for the reaction to the pandemic, a lot of those things automatically go up the ladder, pricing and things like that. But going back to that commercial person's role, so now let's say that they know that after this is over, management's going to come to them and say, okay, what are we going to do? in terms of can we take this vaccine now and create an actual product going right. forward with it. Right. And, and then that, that actually is a whole different market in itself, which we've, we've seen with the flu vaccines. Number one, you have to understand that as humans are quite fickle, we quickly forget things. And uh, one of the interesting things we found, I'll, I'll share with you on the flu vaccines, is that after past pandemics, so the most recent one being 2009, Within two years, it's amazing, we're already back to pre-pandemic vaccination levels in terms of coverage. Children are always kept pretty high in terms of vaccination and the elderly, but adults very quickly go right back and we're back down to 20, 30% being vaccinated. So that's one area from a commercial standpoint is how do you uphold demand? And that's demand in terms of getting the vaccine each year. Um, Demand in terms of stockpiling, because for actual specific pandemic vaccine products in the future, there's a stockpiling exercises that go on between government and manufacturing. So you have to make sure that you're involved with those contracts and working through those tenders and such. Obviously, when you're dealing with the government tendering, you're dealing with much more restricted pricing. So making sure that you can maintain some sort of profitability based on that risk. You know, a lot of these things, as you're starting to probably get a sense, make a case why a lot of companies don't get involved with vaccines. Right. Uh, right, right. But there are opportunities with that as well in terms of, you know, working with the government on things and making sure that you're there to assist. And, and they do they do their part as well in making sure that the companies are fully resourced to do what they need to do. And then the last thing, I think, you know, you, you definitely have to look at differentiating your products. So if you have a vaccine now, you should be starting to think about, okay, in the future, when we have this, 
obviously we're going to probably have a COVID or a, I should say a SARS vaccine on an annual basis, right. uh, I would suspect. So you, you already got some talk of combination with flu. That's easier said than done. These things are hard enough to make on their own. When you start combining them together, it's a whole nother world. Right. But are there other things that you can do, maybe through patches, maybe through, you know, the way it's administered? Uh, there's all different types of things, and only the entrepreneurial marketing people will make it successful doing that kind of thinking. Right. A lot of the other changes that people are talking about, obviously, the the stay-at-home orders that are in place for a lot of us, you know, affecting a lot of the the ways that we purchase and interact with each other. Do you expect that to have an impact on the life science industry? Telemedicine, perhaps too soon to say. I was just thinking, as you were talking about alternate development mechanisms, right? Patches could be sent to consumers or something like that. Yes, that's a great point. Anything that's this big is going to change the normal course of effort out there in terms of how mm-hmm. things are done. And, and it can be good and bad. And, and I think if you have the right mindset, an entrepreneur mindset, you just think, all right, so then how can we make that work for us? You know, there's there's a lot of concern. It's interesting. I read something this morning that brought up the whole idea of what's going to happen now with measles, mm. because so many kids are not getting their vaccines because of this situation oh, that, that we may have a resurgence of measles in the U.S., which, as you probably have heard, we've we've started to get those in pockets where in the pockets already. Yeah, have not been doing things. So and yeah. got all the other vaccines that uh, are not being used. So that's got to be something to be considered. And now all of a sudden you got a lot of makeup to do. You know, how are these companies going to make sure their products are doable and people can get them? Pharmacies, we're starting to get involved with this. Pharmacies are going to have to play a much, much bigger role now with regards to getting everything caught up. And, and as you know, once you get people doing that, and they get comfortable with it, then that starts to take on its own life and continue to progress. Well, thanks again for talking with us. My guest is independent life science consultant, Mark Cooley, and I'm Leah Hoffman for Business Talent Group's Insights on Demand podcast. In upcoming episodes, we'll be talking with other independent experts about the challenges that life science companies and others face in these unprecedented times from culture to supply chain. Subscribe for these insights and more wherever you get your podcasts or visit businesstalentgroup.com if you'd like to start a project with independent consultants like Mark. Thanks for listening.